All right, welcome to the first episode of the Just Absolutely Boxing Podcast or the Jab Podcast, where we'll be talking about anything and everything boxing, everything from current news to just our thoughts on the sport of boxing today and, you know, some other topics. So, uh, so just like a jab, you know, we're going to keep it straight and effective. My name's Anthony or Ant. I'm with my partner, P, and we're going to talk about a few things today. We're going to talk about Kell Brook returning to the ring at the end of the year. Andre Ward versus Anthony Joshua. I don't know how real that is, but, you know, it sounds interesting. And the Netflix documentary, Counterpunch. But before we do that, I just want to ask my man, P, what made you want to sit down with me and just chop it up and do this podcast? Well, to be honest, I just um, had a few mutual friends at the job and got caught in some boxing conversations. I seen your passion for the sport and I seen your knowledge of the sport and that was kind of enough for me to know that um i had to respect that and that's pretty much it cool yeah yeah because every time we was talking about it, it just seemed like you know we just not talking about the the same things that a lot of people are talking about yeah you always brought another angle to boxing for me Absolutely. like another angle for me to look at and i'm sure and vice I versa done the same. yeah Absolutely. vice versa so i was always kind of like hey this stuff we talking about shoot we do it for hours yeah. We do it for hours at work. Why not just share it with everybody else and make some, you know, time out of it, make something out of it, you know? Exactly. You know, you have a lot of conversations with people, but you can tell through the conversation, you know, how knowledgeable somebody is about particular things. So I like to deal with facts. I don't really like to deal in the, the gossip part, you know. I mean, yeah, it's kind of fun and everything, but when it comes to actually discussing boxers and what they do i don't really like to play with i just like to keep it real absolutely but uh yeah man uh, let's go ahead and talk about the first topic uh kill brook you know he says he wants to fight again in 2017 uh, he wants to return at the end of the year after he had a successful operation on his uh fractured left eye socket i think he had the surgery about three fridays ago now and they said that you know everything went good and kill brook stated that i will talk to my team in the coming weeks and about what we can do. And I'm looking forward to get back into the camp this summer. And as you know, this is uh, the second surgery in nine months because he suffered a right, a broken right eye socket in his loss to Triple G, Gennady Golovkin, in September 2016. And then he jumped right back in the ring May 27th, 2017, and suffered the, the other one broken. So what what are your thoughts on that do you think he should return to the rain you think it's too early what are your thoughts well um my personal opinion is um i think the guy needs some rest and needs time to heal up and um really put some things in perspective because those were serious injuries that he acquired in those two fights and you can't take that for granted you know every time you step into the ring you put your life on the line and um one of my favorite sayings is uh, at what cost, you know, I mean, how much do you want to push yourself or what price tag are you willing to put on yourself to go out there and take these risks? Now, I honestly don't think it's a good idea. I mean, nobody in the world can question this guy's heart. He's just faced two of the killers in boxing flat out. There's no disputing that guys that people were avoiding giving up belts not to fight so you can't question the guy's heart but um 
this is this is not a fight. This is about heart. This is about your life. So I I mean, if it was up to me, if I had any control with that, I would uh, advise him to take off the rest of the year. You still got 2018. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel the same way because, yeah, I take my hat off to him because he definitely shows a warrior's heart taking on Triple G, taking on Errol Spence. So for me, he has nothing to prove at that point you know, on that side, but as far as his physical well-being, you only get one body. Mm-hmm. You only get one body, and you have to give that body time to heal, and after after two close fights like that, you deserve a year or two off, you know, because um, suffering, a bro- broken eye socket is just different than just being, say, a fighter getting knocked out cold. Mm-hmm. I mean, it does something to you mentally. It yeah. does something to you physically, Absolutely. of course, but but mentally, you know for a fact that every fight he's going to go into, he's going to be thinking about those eyes. Absolutely. And every opponent that he fights is going to be thinking about those eyes, those eye sockets. They're going to be thinking about them. So as a trainer, I would say that either take the time off or I, I won't train you. So that's 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 mm-hmm. a good point where good part where his trainer should step in and say, hey, I think you should take take the right amount of time off. If you know if you're feeling good, we can you know see how things look. But other than that, if you don't take the the right amount of time, you know I refuse to train you. Exactly. I mean, because think about it. Like you said, that this is not one of those injuries that. You can change your style of fighting or you can do something to work around. And it's not like a broken hand. It's not like, a, you know, maybe a bad knee or something where you can do different things to negate having to use those things. Your legs as much, you know, look at Floyd, his hands were brittle, so he became really defensive. But, I mean, what can you do to protect your eyes? I mean, you can't just stand in the ring holding up your guard all day. You know, it's just it's just one of those injuries that it could be a career ending injury. I mean, hopefully it won't be and it's not, but it could be. I mean, eyes. I mean, if you don't have your eyes, you can't fight. Right. Bottom line. Right. That's like your next best weapon besides your hands in the boxing ring, your eyes. You have to see everything. You have to see punches coming. You have to see stuff. So, I mean, if you're having some issues with your eyes, I mean, it, it just doesn't sound like a smart thing to do to me. I don't care about the money, you know. And, and now that you mentioned money, uh, do you think that him taking this fight, do you think it has to deal with money, or do you think he just really wants to show the warrior's heart? Um, I mean... <laughs> The way I think I can only go on logics and logically it would have to be for the money because, I mean, proving heart ain't worth a dime. You know what I'm saying? Proving right. that you got heart ain't going to feed your family. It's not, it's not, like I said, it's not proving anything. You know what I mean? So hopefully, I mean, he's looking to, you know, set up his legacy and maybe his kids. I don't know if he has kids or not, but, um, you know, put some money in the bank and look at retirement. You know, like Floyd say, retire young and healthy and wealthy. I mean, that's that's the name of the game right there. Since uh, we were talking about him, uh, there's another fighter. He's not really a popular fighter, but he was a light heavyweight named Shubanov. Mm-hmm. Babe Ruth Shubanov, uh, 
you know, Hopkins unified the belts with him. And um, he recently had to retire because of of, of an eye injury. Uh-huh. He had to keep pushing back the fight, but he had like a, I want to say a detached retina too, but it got to the point that it was so damaged that he, he has no choice now but to retire. Yeah. You know, he's he's only had 17 wins, but he still he felt he had a lot to go on. But, you know, when that eye gets so much damage, you just have to call it quits. And I, I think Kill Brook, He's had the blessing of both times coming out with just, I wouldn't say just a fractured eye socket, but he's been coming out where he can still see and still have the choice to fight another day, but he had to make that right choice of giving his body time. Exactly. I mean, just think knowing that the eyes are kind of brittle. What if a bone shard went into the eyeball? I mean, countless things could go wrong (laughs) when you're getting punched in the face. Right, right. So, I mean, it's just, to me, it's just not nothing to toy around with or to take for granted like i said i mean god forbid he went in there and lost his eyesight do you know how much that would you know weigh on him man i had a choice in this and i went and made this choice and now i I can't even see yeah so people have to look at the big picture before it happens you know you can't wait for stuff to hit the fan all the time you know what i mean because it's too late then Right. You know, and to me, your health is number one. I mean, regardless, I don't care about the money. Your health is number one. Because with all the money in the world and the poor health, what good is it? Right. So, yeah, the last things he had said was uh, the last scan I revealed, the healing was started well and the bone looks strong. So, like he says, I, I expect to make a full recovery and I want to fight again in 2017. Uh, who can who can he fight in the welterweight division or one fifty four? That's that's uh, that's not going to pose the same threat at yeah, this point. I mean, that's another thing. Is I mean, the weight that he's campaigning at, whether it be one forty seven, one fifty four, one sixty, is it's trouble. It's trouble. I mean, I honestly don't see any safe fights for him out there at those weights. I mean, you could get a, a maybe a tomato can from somewhere, but is that what really what he wants to do to his legacy? Right. You know, you have just faced two guys that nobody was willing to face, and now you face a guy that's not even, you know, ranked at anything. It's like, to me, you're taking a step back with that. Yeah. So uh, if Kelbrook wants to make that choice, you know, I could just say is – you know, God be with him. I don't want to see yeah. him get hurt. I don't yeah. want to see him suffer the same injuries that some of these guys out there do, whether it's brain damage or, you know, Linus. Uh, Parkinson's. Parkinson's. You know. So I wish him luck on that. So um, after after Andre Ward scored his TKO over Sergey Kovalev at the press conference, you know, Virgil Hunter, he was feeling pretty invincible. He kind of threw out there that um, – after this fight, Andre Ward could take on anybody. You know, talked about cruiserweight, even talked about heavyweight. And one of the heavyweights he said he felt he could beat was Anthony Joshua. So a lot of people have been talking about that fight online, and I don't know how serious it is or if negotiations would even happen with it. Because so I was looking on the uh, one YouTube channel, they were actually going down the line and, you know, trying to take a tally of who would win. And you know who. You know who won the tally. You I mean, know who did. You know who. 
I can't. I think he might have got one vote, but that guy must have been crazy. But Andre Ward got one vote. Yeah. I so. mean, I don't know where Virgil was going with this. I don't know if it was just you know something that he was just joking around with. But I'm definitely just speaking on it now in a jokingly sense because um, mm-hmm. it's just I just can't see that fight manifesting, sculpturing being made any type of way it's just two it's apples and oranges i mean anthony joshua he's six five 200 plus pounds he's just he's just too big of a person of a fighter for andre ward to face in any type of capacity if you ask me i mean andre ward yeah andre ward's skills are yeah way better than his but it's just still i mean all the advantages joshua would have it's just it just wouldn't be a smart fight I feel like once you look at body frames, no matter how much Andre Ward said he walks around at, I think he said he walks around 180 sometimes, 190, but he's still a small frame light heavyweight. I mean, he still doesn't really look like a light heavyweight to me. Mm-mm. Still really looks like a super middleweight. And for a fighter, in my opinion, to move up to heavyweight, he has to be someone that's really blessed with overly blessed with some type of gift like i'm not saying he's not one of the best fighters he's one of the best fighters today technically but you need one or two special things that's going to match you up against someone that big once you look back at roy jones you know roy jones he had amazing speed reflexes and he had that that freakish power and that unorthodox style that you always wanted to match him up with different fighters and and even then he took John Ruiz at the time. He took the he took the safe the safest heavyweight fight. He didn't take Lennox Lewis. Mm-hmm. Cause even he went on record before and said, I'll fight a smaller heavyweight like Mike Tyson or Evander Holyfield before I fight uh Lennox Lewis or Riddick Bowen. I mean that's that's smart thinking. I mean he's still he's still thinking about his health and at the same time the 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 right matchup for him. So for Virgil Hunter to say he matches up against Anthony Joshua to me that's it might just be talk it might just be some talk to show that at some point he is going to try it at cruiserweight or maybe take a small heavyweight what do you think like I said I didn't put too much into it I mean it's just like I say I mean it's one thing for a guy to if you're a big guy and you're cutting weight to make the smaller weights but I mean, Andre Ward is just, his frame is just small. He'll, I mean, I just don't see him putting on that type of weight to even, I mean, yeah, I see him barely making 200 pounds. I mean, barely. I mean, he, he doesn't have that frame. You know, he doesn't have that frame to carry that weight. You know, mm-hmm. Roy Jones had a different body style. People have different bodies, you know, different mm-hmm. anatomy, different, you know, torsos, different builds, different shoulders, different mm-hmm. frames. Some frames can carry weight. But, I mean, same thing with uh, James Tony. He went mm-hmm. all the way up to heavyweight. He was a short, wide guy. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he was able to put on that weight. I just don't see that for Ward. But, um, and he had amazing defense. Absolutely. James Tony had amazing defense you know? for I mean, um, he was another great fighter like yeah. Ward, yeah. you know, like yeah. Roy Jones. And it's like these guys over time just kind of naturally got bigger. You know, Andre yeah. Ward wants to, you know, systematically do this. You know what I mean? These guys just like, I mean, over years, I can't, you know, I'm, I grew out of their natural weight that they were fighting at. It it looks just 
it looks more to be like that was the scenario with these guys, you know, not so much as, oh, I'm going to go put on 60 pounds to go heavyweight, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think, um, I really think that's just a, it was just kind of interesting that they, that they brought that up. Cause yeah, like I said, I guess they kind of want to build Ward stock up, just kind of start putting him in there with some type of name just to say, oh man, this guy looks, this guy, he, he really is as good as they say he is. Cause at the time back in the day, they used to say match Roy Jones up with Mike Tyson. Um, mm-hmm. There was a point when I, yeah, I would love to see him fight Roy and uh, Mike Tyson, but you know, fights like that never happen. It just makes people start thinking and it kind of puts, like I said, it'll put Andre Ward's um, name in people's ears, which, you know, he needs to be recognized now cause he is one of the, the best pound for pound fighter today. Mm-hmm. So fight doesn't happen, you know, which it probably won't. I, I wouldn't be mad. I mean, let's, you know, let's be logical here. So I just think it was, you know, like you say, something to just keep, keep the name buzzing out there, which is, which is good. I'm not mad at him for that, but I mean, logically speaking, I think Virgil knows that's <laughs> right. That's not his best interest to do something like that. And this, and there's no knock to, uh, you know, Anthony Joshua or Andre Ward is just apples and oranges to me. You know, it's just comparing two different things, you know. I mean, everything doesn't match up. Yeah. So the last topic we want to talk about is uh, a documentary that was on Netflix that uh, you showed me, P, uh, called Counterpunch. Yeah, um, I thought it was a really good watch, you know, especially if you're not really up on the sport or knowledgeable about the sport, you know, they went from the amateurs, you know, all the way up to the pros and just show different facets of the sport. It's not just throwing punches. It's not just Floyd Mayweather with Bentleys. It's not just, you know, all the things that some people, when they pay to go see a fight, casual fans, they might expect to see. It's a lot of blood, sweat and tears. It's a lot of unfair unfairness you know a lot of things that happen behind the scenes that build these guys characters and stories that really sell the fights just as much as the actual performance so um i just thought it was a really good documentary for a person who may not know too much about the sport yeah when i first watched it you know, I got a chance to sit down and watch it all the way through again. You know, I thought it, yeah, it just covered a lot of things that people aren't aren't familiar with, like getting paid step aside money, mm-hmm. the different sanctioning bodies, how how they how each fighter is ranked in uh, each each different system. Like back in the day when there wasn't but one belt, and then they went through chronologically and introduced you to all the belts, like WBC, WBA, IBF, and so on. And um, it just kind of showed you how each of those bodies kind of took over, and it kind of made, it kind of made boxing more of a business than, more of a business than about the competition and the fights. Mm -hmm. And another thing they talked about was, uh, what they've been calling the kind of like the Mayweather effect where a lot of young fighters today tend to pay attention to what Mayweather is doing now. So they feel like if they got a good few good fights, a few good tricks under their sleeves and put on some good performances, they deserve those big paydays that he gets. And it just kind of makes you 
think and show it shows you that yeah a lot of these guys they're coming they're coming up and they're not actually putting in the work that somebody like Floyd Mayweather does mm-hmm. and I, I thought that was just interesting because uh they had the one fighter uh, what was his name Lil B-Hop Lil B-Hop you know the guy has talent you know he has talent but uh he was kind of in that mind frame where he felt untouchable invincible and he almost felt like hey he's the next Mayweather but again he doesn't know what Mayweather's gone through you know he's he sees money Mayweather and again everybody forgets about pretty boy Floyd absolutely before he made that transition to money Mayweather which is the businessman but before you're a businessman in boxing you got to be a fighter first and earn that respect so another story they had on counterpunch that was interesting was about a fighter named Cam F awesome you know he's pretty much was a career amateur to be honest i mean he had a really unorthodox style that um i mean eventually in the pros he would have he he would have met his achilles heel because it was just it was just too he's a big guy and with that unorthodox style it was just a matter of time for somebody touched him and um it wasn't it wouldn't be a good look but um I got to take my hat off to the kid. I mean, he's a ton of heart. You know, he's focused. He's dedicated. Super articulate kid. Super smart kid. I mean, he's not the typical school, you know, high school dropout. Wrong side of the roads, per se, story with this guy. I mean, he was a really interesting character. Another thing about the documentary, you know, people don't understand. You know, the amateurs is... You know, where you gonna a lot of your point scoring skill, you know, kind of your swag with boxing. You get into your, you know, your, your rhythm as far as learning how to win a fight. It's not about knockouts, it's about scoring points. So it's a very important part of building a boxer's resume. The flip side of it is, you know, you don't get paid to be in the Olympics. I mean, mm-hmm. you have to travel, you have to dedicate yourself. There's a lot of preparation to be on the Olympic level and a lot of your opposition is getting paid. So, I mean, somebody that's getting paid and somebody that's not getting paid, the person that's getting paid is going there fighting hard. It's just, just the way it is. Mm -hmm. You know, it's more motivation to go in there and win. But, you know, the flip side of it is if you get one of those medals, I mean, you're pretty much guaranteed a decent career, good sponsors. I mean, it opens up a lot of doors if you are able to capture definitely a goal, but any medal will open some doors for you. Right. right. And um, back to what you were saying early too, you know, about the Mayweather effect on the boxing game right now. Um, it's an interesting thing to see because, I mean, being a fan of Floyd Mayweather and sitting back watching him lay all this out to the world is very uh interesting but um like you say a lot of people forget about the hard work and dedication you know the time he's dedicated to the sport he's been in the sport since you know nine years old he started boxing so i mean you don't see a lot of the backdrop with all the social media i mean right now you just go to a blog and you see what's right now right now floyd has a bentley but right it's no timeline of his history and dedication to the sport and when he didn't have a Bentley 
you know, when he wasn't getting big paydays. And people have to understand that Floyd Mayweather is the Michael Jordan of boxing. It's not going to be 10 Floyd Mayweathers. We might not ever see another Floyd Mayweather for a while. You know, and people have to come to that reality. That's not to say that you can't take care of your family and provide from the sport. But you're talking about, you know, 30, 40, 50 million, $100 million paydays. I mean, that bar is raised really, really high. And I think the Mayweather effect has a lot of people distorted their vision, distorted about the sport because that's just not going to happen like that. Yeah, you know? it was something that we were talking about one day and I brought up that analogy that everybody, boxing is still a business and fighters, they want to skip that stage of washing dishes. You know, they, as soon as they, they feel like they have a talent, something, they want to get out of the kitchen. They want to go straight to being a manager. Mm-hmm. They come straight in out the door and say, oh, I did a little bit of this. I counted some money here. I told this person what to do before. So let me get this manager job, you know. They forgot about, like we said, that hard work. You got to put in some work. I'm not saying you, everybody got to wash dishes, but you got you to gotta understand humiliation. Mm-hmm. You got to have dedication. And you got to put in some work just like Mayweather did to get what you want. You got to put in some sacrifice, you know, Exactly. sacrifice the right things. You got to sacrifice something crazy. But but you have to uh, you have to have some kind of understanding of why he has what he has. Right. So like little B-Hop, you know, he talks a big game, but he's got to climb the ladder. And he I think he got some humbleness handed handed to him in sparring. Oh, yeah. When he sparred one of those uh one of the uh, he sparred a champion who was living in the gym he was sparring a champion that lives in the gym you know he left his family for a while so he could dedicate his time to the sport and he he, he kind of schooled little b-hop yeah but don't forget Ant, this guy i mean he you know he was paid to be a sparring partner this guy didn't even train didn't even take the thing seriously he just went down there and I mean, like you say, I mean, he, he he suffered some humility that day. He didn't get humiliated, but it was a slice of humble pie because this champion who is dedicated to the sport showed him that, dude, even when you just come to spa, you need to be on your A game. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you're nobody right now. You're nobody. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You want to become somebody and you just let me just run through you. You know, I mean, to become somebody, you have to make me say good things about you say well I sparred this kid man this kid's tough not having me run through you so it was interesting to see him get roadblocked so quick in his career and it didn't take long it didn't take it long. didn't take long for his slice of humble pie I mean no. and that's a good thing don't let these kids get way down the road and get us like you know let them know in the beginning because I mean he still was a young kid got his whole career he could you know learn from that and come back stronger that's what it's all about to me and you know learning from your mistakes and coming back stronger that's what a champion does yeah nowadays with the way boxing is a lot of a lot of them see it as a business so they protect these young fighters to a certain extent where they're sparring bums and mm-hmm. They got a lot of yes men around them telling them they're this good. Unlike when Floyd was coming up, he was sparring with he was sparring with guys. He, you know, he was he was getting in work. He was getting schooled. He was built up. But mm, some of these sparring big guys. Sparring you know, big guys. 160, you yeah. Know. But these guys are getting in there, dominating sparring partners, going in there thinking they're the best. 
and then they think that I'm I am Mayweather. I deserve right, that check. Right, so right. they got to go back to the drawing board with Little B Hop. Hopefully he is, you know, doing his doing his sparring, do, you know, doing it, showing his dedication now. But um, one of the interesting stories, one of the biggest stories on uh, Counterpunch was uh, a fighter. I know more people are recognized will find recognizable, and that's uh, Peter Quillen, Kid Chocolate. Now, his story was interesting to me because he held the WBO belt and there came a point when he was offered to fight his mandatory. He was offered money to vacate his belt. And uh, I just wanted to know what you thought about that, P. Um, well, I got two takes on it, to be honest. I mean... You know, because in the documentary, we don't want to give away too many spoilers because we want people to go watch it and support it. But um, after that scenario happened, they had, you know, a few legends in the game who kind of spoke their piece about, you know, and they they feel like that's something that a champion does not do. A champion does not just walk away from his title, something he's dedicated his life to and worked so hard for he that's something that he just doesn't do but you know in today's world of boxing social media you know it's so fast that I mean can you knock a guy like Peter Quillen for taking half of a million not to fight Mm -hmm. I mean we're not promised tomorrow we don't know what's going to happen I mean um so I definitely feel how the the older champions feel. I don't feel like that's something that helps the sport. I don't feel like that should be the way things go. I mean, you should become a you know a contender, a journeyman, work your way up the the, the contention ladder like everybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, I just feel like that's the way that. That's the integrity of the sport, not just oh big paydays give this guy this step. That's that's not that's not what the sport is really based on, um, right? Because it, it, it's hard for it's hard for me to blame him. I feel like the money should have never been offered to him. It, it devalues the sport exactly, and that's what I say. You know, I do understand. Like I say, this kid don't know what, what tomorrow's going to bring. I'm he's offered half a million right now. I mean, right. a lot of people would take half a million right now. Yeah. Yeah, you know, to not fight. I mean, right. not to fight. I mean, so because right now he's fighting for his family, and that's how he sees it. He's fighting to help them make it and help himself make it. But when you give him that other easy option, what would you take? You I know, mean, that's, that's how you got to see it, it sometimes. That's a half million. That's still putting, you know, food in the in, in the in the baby's mouth. So yeah. I mean, and that's what I'm just saying. I mean, things are changing. I guess in all sports, but um. I don't think it's a good I don't think it's really a place for that in the sport though because it devalues everything and the same way all these titles it devalues the sport because like you say if I can get half a million not to fight why fight right you're not getting the best fights this is not how you produce the best fights you know yeah when you produce the best fights when the best have to fight the best they don't have a choice in it yeah. you know so I mean I understand it. Does it help the sport? 
No. Is it bad for the sport? It could be. I mean, if 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 this is a trend that's going to start picking up in the sport, then I don't I I don't know I don't know where the sport, you know, what direction the sport might be headed in because I mean, everybody wants a big payday. And if everybody's chasing payday, nobody's really chasing glory or, you know, nobody's it's just it's just it's just it's different. It's not the same. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, with Counterpunch, I really feel like they covered they really covered a side of boxing that a lot of people have been missing out on. They 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 really needed. I, I feel like a lot of people really need to see. They really need to see this because it'll show you how champions should be built and how they're being built today in boxing. And that'll kind of show people how what makes a what made Sugar Ray Leonard the champion he was versus some of these guys today. Mm-hmm. And um, being like like you said, being uh, forced to fight. I thought it was a a good solid documentary. Um, only thing that I probably would have to say that I was kind of let down by because I was anticipating a documentary coming to Netflix is that it was a little dated, you know what I mean? And that's just for me, cause I'm a diehard fan. It was dated, but you know, the casual fan, you guys probably wouldn't even notice that, but that's the only thing that I could really think of that. I really wasn't feeling. It made a, the documentary might be like two years old. Yeah. Me so, too. yeah. Cause we, we basically, you know, it was like, not spoilers for us because we already saw what had happened, you know, at the right. end. I'm not going to explain what happened at the end, but yeah, we were already known, like, the story of that, uh, of the main story, you know, Peter Quillen. Right. But, uh, yeah, I wish it would have been put out a little bit earlier. Yeah. Yeah, just so people could have saw it. But, yeah, I felt they had a good balance of talking about the business, you know, champions who fight, fight for money and others who fight for glory. Uh-huh. So, um, uh, I mean, yeah, you definitely check it out. It's on our Netflix now, Counterpunch. Um, anything else you got to say, man? Oh, no, that's that's pretty much it, Ant. Well, that's pretty much all we got for this first episode of Jab Podcast. My name's Anthony. It's your boy, P. And we'll be back next week with another episode. I'll see you guys later. Peace. Peace.